there's no sell signal out there and the market is crashing and I've got all this, this money leveraged. And with options, man, you can, I mean, it's like gambling. You could put out, like I said, you could risk 20 grand Mm -hmm. and end up upside down 200 grand if you don't know what you're doing. And then you owe money. I mean, you could owe, I mean, it's, it's the wild, wild west. So, so I'm, I, I got a tea time at eight or I guess my tea time was probably cause markets opened at, um, eight 30. So it's probably eight 20. I got a tea time at like eight 40. And so I'm waiting for the market to open to see where it opens. It opens and I'm literally on the landline in the pro shop with thinkorswim.com. Who's a brokerage I use. And this guy is live telling me what's happening in my portfolio. And it's just taking, taking, taking. It's like down five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand. Hey, welcome to the CEO Parenting Podcast. I'm Thomas Cox, and this is all about talking to business owners and C-suite executives that are killing it in their business, but also trying their best to be great parents and great spouses. And um, you can find us on all the social media platforms. And today we've got Jeremy Simmons. So we had Jeremy Simmons on as more of an interview. So we're going to go at this episode, first time I've done this, and we have zero rehearsed. Zero. Zero. He's got a blank notebook sitting right he here. He told me to come up with a list of things to talk about, and I wrote down nothing. Nada. So a little background on Jeremy. Jeremy and I have known each other for over 20 years, um, in and out of each other's lives, uh, which is crazy to think that we've known each other for 20 years. It's but a long time. There's a, there'll be a huge gap of where we didn't have any contact, but we always pick up, and it's just like we saw each other yesterday. So I, I love that. Um, so what what I we're going to kind of go this like my first million. It's a podcast that I love. It's just two dudes talking about things, and they talk. I love about, that podcast. I love it. They yep. talk about things that are um, very now, right now. Yep. I don't necessarily know if I wanted to like what's happening today in the world because I mean the news cycles about twelve hours these days. Um, but one of the first things that I had was okay. So we go to the church, the Highlands in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, probably one of the largest churches in the country, and so on Easter. He, Pastor Chris always does a survey, and he said that there were 97,000 people that attended an Easter service, okay? And he always does a survey, and one of the parts of the survey is where he goes, hey, what kind of what topics do you want to hear messages on? And he said stress and anxiety was the number one topic that people wanted to talk about. And I asked this question, and I was sitting next to Jason Long, and I said, why is there so much pressure in life? When I was a kid, and we're the same age, I'm a year older than you, I had never heard the word anxiety or panic attack or anything like that. What has changed? And that's a, that's a question I'm asking. What, what has changed? What, in your opinion, has changed to where every time someone asks a question, it's all about stress or anxiety? What, what's, what are we doing? That's a great... So- in context, adults or kids? Adults. Adults. This was, adult. this was in big church. Yeah, big church. I love that. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's old ba- school. That's, that's a Baptist, Baptist word. word. That's a Baptist word. Yes. Yeah. Big church. So what is it? I, I think that uh, mental health in general is a new, new-ish. It's very so, new. Okay, so, so going to see a psychiatrist when we were born, say in the eighties or the seventies yeah. was taboo. Sure. You were crazy. Like no one talked about going to camp counseling. People went to counseling. Yeah. People went to a psychiatrist, but, it was, but yeah, they didn't talk about it. And even other people maybe have even perceived the, the uh, profession as hokey, sure. you know? 
So I think there is a growth in society accepting mental health as a real thing. So there's, there's, there's more literature, people reading books on it. There's podcasts on it. It's out there. But does that accentuate the problem, Jeremy? That's, that's my question. Right. Does the more, okay. So, so here, I'll give you a great example. Okay. I got a silver forerunner. Right. So I see silver every silver forerunner everywhere I go. Yep. So does the fact that we talk about it so much accentuate the problem? I don't know. That's above my head, my, above my pay grade. But so I will say I experienced anxiety as a kid, but I didn't know that word. I didn't How talk so? about it. Oh man. I, like I was intense social anxiety. Um, what? A hundred percent. So you're saying you didn't experience it. No. Well, no, no, no. Was, number one, I, I was number one. I didn't experience it. But number two, you come from like the cookie cutter home Right. From the outside, I have no idea what it was like on no, the inside. Sure. But like your dad's a doctor. He's one of the greatest men I've ever met. Your mom's one of the nicest, sweetest, most June Cleaver people I've ever <laughs> met in my life. Like, No, so I, but it, I don't think that anxiety was a product of my home environment. I think it was how I was wired. Not that I was wired anxious, but I was kind of an old soul. So I, I had probably abnormal depth. I don't mean that to sound... Like I'm stoic. Yeah. But I just, I thought about things. A lot of my peers didn't think about, I wanted deep conversation. And and when you're a 14 year old boy, want to have deep conversation. There's not a boy nearby that wants to talk, you know, like, so I just, I was kind of an odd kid. I think so that created social anxiety, I would say. But so I can remember feeling that, but I didn't have words for it. I didn't, it wasn't something that was talked about. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a big deal. You just kind of, Dealt with it and moved on. So do you feel like, um, so let's talk about like the kids. Right. So Savannah's how old? She's 17. Okay. So you got a 17 year old. Yeah. Do you feel any of that with her? Oh, hundred percent. I feel it with all five of my kids. I don't want to single any kid out. Yeah. I just know, know she's this, the oldest. Oh, hundred percent. So, but like, how do you, how, how do you feel it? Like what, what do you, what are they saying that, that's making you feel that? And my kids, I've heard all of my kids use the word anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. yeah. And and there's so so there's 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 this is where we start to turn into old people. Yeah. There's a part of me sure. that feels like my dad rolling my eyes, going, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. It wasn't like this 20 years ago, which is kind of you yeah. know, which is normal, I think, to think that way. Um, but then, but then there's also a part of me going, "Well, what if we were all dealing with this 20 years ago and didn't really know it yeah. and should have had conversations around it?" I don't know. But I'll say this too, 20 years ago, the things that Everett let you do, right. Joyce and Carol let me do, are absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. So when I was a freshman in college, I was still under my parents' rule. Right. I was 19. So I made friends with this girl. Not a not a dating relationship. We were just great buddies. Right. She was on the volleyball team. And my parents let me drive her home over the summer. Okay. To Oregon. To Oregon. <laughs> 36 hours, right. me and another girl. At 19. Car, at 19. <laughs> right. And I go, what were right. you thinking? Yeah. But I, so I say that in context to what you're saying. The things our parents let us do, we would never let the eight, the eight kids between us do. Yeah. And just because I think times have changed so dramatically. And I don't really know why that is, but it has. Sure. I can, at six, seven years old, I would, my parents always, 
owned a home with land behind it mm-hmm. because they wanted their boys to be able to just roam. And so we would roam. I'd be gone for eight hours. All day. All day. Yeah. With, without a thought of where, where my kid and is. And some of the time, without them maybe being able to, what we, my mom would walk out the door and be able to yell. Right. And, and, and have me come home. Right. And sometimes we would be gone out of what we call earshot. Right. From miles away. Not, not bad enough. So, um, okay. But, I, but I, let me answer that. Say this yeah. though. So what do you think about just social media as, as a, um, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So, so we live in this world where, we, where we're scrolling constantly of, of people who are on that trip or people who just bought that car, or bought that house. Got, so we talk the, about fa- the family that's on the catamaran. Let's do it. Listen, I don't. Hey, listen, my post <laughs> created anxiety in you. I apologize. No, I, here's what I think it is. I think it's a, so, so I asked, we talked about it. Yeah. Me and Jackie got in the car after church and we talked about it and she immediately went there with social media. Social media is great and social media is bad, but it all depends on your perspective. And I don't want to sound holy. I don't want to sound like better. I just know that like, it's a perspective thing. So I feel like if you can, when you start comparing yourself, when you compare, you can do one of two things. You can compare and try to go quote unquote, get better. Right. Or you can compare and wallow in self-pity. Yeah. I think that's good. So, like I, for example, I use, we, I use social media for ideas. I love the ideas and things that from real estate to like business to whatever. I love it. Cause I'll go to these guys, my, my production team and I'll talk to them about, Hey, I saw this. And I know they probably roll their eyes at me sometimes when I see things, but like it, it motivates me. I totally agree. So I, I same, I evaluate this just a week ago. I was thinking about what, who I follow on Instagram mm-hmm. But my Instagram doesn't cause me any anxiety. Zero. It is 100% motivation, push, inspiration, raising my up personal upper limit right. for what I'm dreaming about, what I think I could accomplish, what I think, you know. Do you think that's part of the part of what you you follow though? Like, I mean, oh, 100%. Like like you follow people that that are positive. Not I say positive, but like you follow people that I don't want to say what you want to be like, but like I'm not following guys that drive Bugattis going like, that's what I want one day. But I follow guys that, that, you know, motivational coaches. I follow um, entrepreneurs. I I follow finance guys. I follow, you know, just that that just keep my brain thinking creatively, like you said. And and so like, so if I'm scrolling, it isn't mindless. It's it's, it's depositing something in me that I'm going to chew on for the next few days. I totally agree. Okay. On the spot, who are three people that you follow that you, every time you see something that they do or put out that you're like, Oh, this is good. God, it's really good. Can I th- come back to me on that? I'm going to think about it. Okay. Um, what about you? You give me yours. I re- I've talked about her all the time and people probably think I'm in love with this girl. I'm not, I'm really not. I got a great wife. Uh, I love Cody Sanchez. I don't know who that is. I think she's wonderful. Yeah. I think that she's, um, She's extremely bright. She says a lot of the things that people don't talk about. She's mm-hmm. not like, you know, flash in the pan, get rich quick. She's like, get rich slow, um, consistency, hard work. Then here are the ideas that I think will help. Um, I love, I like her. She's yeah. really, really good. Um, I like Gary V. 
I know he cusses yeah. all the time, but I really enjoy him. I don't follow Gary Vee. I know oh, Gary Vee, but I don't you follow You can't him. listen to him with your kids in the car. Yeah. Um, but I really, really like him. And um, and I think that another guy that's um, really, really good is Grant Cardone. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. But I'll say this. Those three people are kind of like Dave Ramsey. And right. Dave Ramsey has made gazillions of dollars talking about the same things over for 30 and years over and over 30 years. So they're an example of like being consistent in what yep. you're doing. And I understand a lot of what those guys are saying. Uh, and I've applied a ton of what they've said, but I've heard it a gazillion times. Yep. So those are probably be my th- three people that I really, yeah. Three people that I really, really enjoy yeah. listening to. It's good. So, and I really, really like the guys on YouTube. The My First Million guys, Sam Parr, yep. Sean, I can't say his last name. They're really, really good. I, I haven't listened to them in a while, but I, I went on a kick for probably two years where I, I was eating up everything. They're good. And I actually was an early subscriber to The Hustle. Really? I, I have no idea. I've had that, even, but that's what that's that what, how they made their first million. Oh, yeah. So listen, tell me about this this new business that you've that you've come upon that you're in. And it's really exciting. So tell me, tell me a little bit about it. So we own and operate 18 men's lifestyle health clinics. It's, it's concierge medicine. We do hormone optimization. So testosterone replacement therapy, growth hormone therapy. We, um, we deal with weight, weight loss. Semaglutide is a, is a mm-hmm. new product that's out. That's kind of all the rage right now. We've implemented that. Um, we treat a lot of se- men's sexual health mm-hmm. issues, um, just for aging guys, issues yeah, sure. they encounter. Who, okay. So I didn't know you did talk about growth hormone. Who, who is getting what population is getting growth hormone in your clinic? So, so what we because I think I like Mike Piazza and Mark McGuire. No, no, yeah, <laughs> we use uh, so we do, it's not we don't supplement uh, synthetic growth hormone. We prescribe peptides, which basically stimulate your pituitary gland to tell your cells, your muscle cells, to generate more of your own natural growth hormone. So, growth hormone people don't talk about. So, we produce our own testosterone, right, and we produce our own growth hormone, Correct. and both. Our production levels de- decrease with age. So, um, so you're when in puberty, a man's growth hormone production is peaked out, and then once puberty in- ends, it just slowly tapers off, just like his testosterone okay. production. The benefits of this, there's no risks. The benefits are you you're you can't overproduce your own natural growth hormone. So you so it's, so your it's, body's gonna come to a limit. It will come to a limit. You can't overproduce it. But what it does is it, it muscle recovery. Um, your skin turns over faster, hair health and growth. I mean, the, the, the effects it's on, come on, man, I get you, I get you going. Um, and so it's, it's fascinating. So we have, who comes in and gets that though? Like what, what is, so, so there's benefits for guys. I'm on peptides. Benefits for guys. So, so the benefits I've experienced are I can go into the gym, bust it. Like I was 22 years old. And the next day I'm not sore. So let me, here's another question. So being in that business, here's the talk right now is AI. Right. Chat GPT. I mean, let's go on. Yep. Are y'all in any way, shape, form, or fashion using AI in any of your business, in any part of the business? We are not or currently, no. Nothing. No marketing, no nothing. Nothing. Do you think that, because we've started using some of it. Yeah. Do you think, how could you use it if you had to, that's a great question. So the most of our marketing spend is mass media. So you're talking radio and television. I still which is, think that's crazy. 
Isn't that wild, right? I do, but like it's it's the market. Yeah, but the guys that we treat typically are in their 50s, 60s, 70s. They still listen to talk radio. They listen to sports radio. Um, you know, I, I was, but I was challenging our marketing team this week going like, guys, I've owned the car that I drive right now for 10 years and I have never turned on the radio ever. ever. I don't have cable at your house. <laughs> no, I have every Netflix Hulu, subscription. Da, 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 yeah. I got all those and I got YouTube TV during, you know, to, to watch football during the football season. But, right. I, but I, I don't ever see a local commercial ever for anything unless wow. it comes up on social media, YouTube, or I Google it. And so, you know what? I don't get YouTube because I've got YouTube premium. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. 10 bucks a month. I never see an ad. See, I should do that. The ever. worst, I was doing an ab video. Ever. Two days ago. Mid ab video, there's a commercial. Yes. You know, you're like, yeah, you got to stop. You're like, are you, yeah. 30 seconds 30 later, seconds, my, my heart rate drops. Yeah. It's, Listen, it's terrible. Good. $10 a month. YouTube premium. It used to be called YouTube Red. Yeah. And I've been doing it for probably six years. Yeah. I it mean, is, what's another ten dollars a month? <laughs> I mean, I've already month. got seventeen other yeah, things. Exactly. So, so no, we're not doing. Uh, we, we we have not talked about AI yet, but I am challenging our marketing team, um, amongst other guys in the business that are doing it too, saying, "Hey, look. So, yeah, maybe the guys forty-five and up that we're treating still listen to the radio, but the guys twenty-five to forty-five, they're going to be are aging clients. into what we need are only googling us. But here's the thing, too. Let me say this: I know a lot of. 30 ish year olds that are using y'all's products. Oh, yeah. We have lots of guys. 30 something years old. What are we? I say we like it's part of, I think it's mine. I'm helping yeah. the marketing team. What, the question is like, what are we doing to reach? So we do, we do uh, pay per click, Google ads. You do? Yeah, we, we spend a considerable amount of money on that, but not in comparison to what we do on local okay, radio. So how does, how does Hymns, Roman, uh, what are the, those hymns and Roman? I don't know what the, the other one is. Is there another one? I think those are the two main ones yeah. we talk How about. How are they affecting y'all's business? So they're telemed. It's, it's, it's not, I'm not saying what they're, they do is poor. I'll, I'll tell you this. I tested out hymns okay. to see, I just wanted to know what, what do they do? How do they, what's their process like? Is there something we can learn from them? Sure. We don't do telemed. They're strictly telemed, but it was bizarre. So I went in, signed up for their product. I said I was going to be a, a hair loss product guy. I know. Definitely not an issue. <laughs> but I signed up. I was like, yeah. yeah, you know, like I want to see how this works. And, you know, I get an email after I applied and they said, uh, great. We're going to schedule your consultation with, with your physician because the stuff has to be, you have to have an actual physician. MD. Yeah. Consult to prescribe you the hair loss treatment. And so they said, hey, you know, be on the lookout. We're going to schedule your consult. Maybe an hour later, I get an email saying, uh, your consult with Dr. So-and-so went well. He approved your treatment services. And then click here to, to, to complete the process. I mean, there was no consult. You didn't talk to nobody. No. And I thought, this is sketchy. So what I'm saying is they're prescribing stuff. This is from my one-off experience. But they are prescribing things for people without even talking to, them. Talking to a physician. And we're just big believers in Come in, we're going to talk to you. We're going to do your blood work. So, so here's what separates us too. So we've, we've made a big capital investment um, to, to build labs in every clinic. So okay. we can actually process your blood work while you're in the appointment. And that there's no one else that in the business huge. that does that. So like, even if you went to your primary care 
physician, your urologist, you say, hey, I think I'm low T. You're going to go in. You're going to pay a copay to go in with him. He's going to draw your blood. They're going to ship it off to a lab. It's going to take It's going to take a week. And then you're probably going to have to go back right. to his office, pay another copay, plus a lab fee to get your so results. So you spent, y'all spent big bucks to get it all processed right yep. there. Yep. Wow. That is a lot. So of that money. separates us. What are you what are you investing in outside of the business? Are you investing in anything outside of the business, whether it be crypto, stocks, real estate, other Yeah, businesses? so I love crypto. Do you really? Yeah. Mm. I know I'm still that guy. I'm a believer. And I, and really? I'm like I'm that guy that goes, hey, in 2012, 2013, I had, you know, a couple hundred Ethereum that that I bought for like twelve dollars a piece. <laughs> you know, like I and then but then I was, you know poor at the time. So I sold it to pay for this, I sold it to pay for that. And then I sold, um, anyway, so I, I still have, well, I hold this for me, it's a significant amount of money in, really? in crypto and I'm holding, I just, I, I, I treat it like, I don't even look at it. Like to me, that's it's, it's, it's a gamble. So it's not, I, I treat that money like it doesn't exist. House money. It is house money. And even though it's turned into bigger dollars, I, I'm not freaked out about it. If it goes away, it, it is not even an asset in my okay, mind. Okay, so here's my question. So my financial guy, my yeah. financial guy, and I love him. He's wonderful. He does great stuff with our money. But he said this the other day, and I thought this was, I told him, I thought this is the dumbest thing. He goes, talks about, he talked about a specific stock mm-hmm. that I bought however many years ago. He's like, yeah, it's like that stock. I'm not going to name it. That stock. He goes, I'll say it. He's like Apple stock. It's like you got it, you buy it, you hold it, you never sell it. Why not? Right. Like so I, I so so what's your plan with this? So I'm gonna hold it yeah. until I either need it or I, maybe I just don't even need it at that point. But but I do agree because it, it fluctuates so wildly. It does and, it? And I'm what's a, the lowest it's been? I mean, so big so Ethereum, I've had it at twelve bucks and I've had it at almost five thousand dollars per. per coin. I mean, so I mean, this is some big swings. Now it doesn't swing that big right now, but uh, but I've watched Bitcoin go from forty something thousand bucks to to ten thousand dollars, and then back up. I mean, it can so yeah. so your portfolio can can be worth twenty five percent of what it was a month later, and then back up. So, you, so you, emotionally, you have to detach from it. So I'm I'm such an emotional person. Mm. I cannot handle. I can't if I look at it. I would buy at the wrong time, sell at the wrong time, constantly. and I've done that in the past. So I do with, with that, and I have a little bit of money that just automatically siphons out of my account every month and just buys more Bitcoin and buys more Ethereum. Those are the two. Um, and I was talking to another, a guy the other day who's really high on Ripple. What is that? It's another coin, and and but they're in litigation right now. I don't know what the update is, but at least three weeks ago, there's the SEC was trying to regulate uh, Ripple as a security and so if the sec won the value is going to go to nothing but if the if the sec loses that battle its value is going to go way up probably 10x where it's at right now so i know a guy that just put seven figures literally into because he thinks the sec is going to lose he thinks the SEC, and he's so he's betting seven figures he's going to make 10x and uh um what else are you doing besides you know i mean traditional like i'm Right now, I'm not doing. Listen, let me let me back up and give you history. Yeah. So so I have a very high risk tolerance, just naturally. I remember from the construction. Oh, bro. So even from an investment standpoint, early on, like back in the early 2000s, I got into options trading, and and with money I didn't have, just 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 taking big risks, made big money, and then lost big money. Big money to me at the time. Sure. Lost big money at the time. I remember being on the golf course and. uh, 
Um, I was actually out at uh, uh, Silicaga. What's the what's the um, Farm Links? Yes. So I'm at Farm Links, and I've got this insurance guy and a banker taking me to play golf because they're trying to get my business, and and uh, there's no sell signal out there, and the market is crashing. And I've got all this, this money leveraged. And with options, I mean, you can, I mean, it's like gambling. You could put out, like I so said, you could risk 20 grand mm-hmm. and end up upside down 200 grand if you don't know what you're doing. And then you owe money. I mean, you could owe, I mean, it's, it's the wild, wild west. So, so I'm, I, I got a tea time at eight, or I guess my tea time was probably because markets opened at um, 8.30. So it's probably 8.20. I got a tea time at like... 840. And so I'm waiting for the market to open to see where it opens. It opens and I'm literally on the landline in the pro shop with thinkorswim.com. Who's a brokerage I use. And this guy is live telling me what's happening in my portfolio. And it's just tanking, tanking, tanking. It's like down five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20, 20 grand at the time for me might as well have been a million dollars. Yeah. Half a million bucks now. I mean, like just, it was so much money and I'm just sweating. I'm thinking these, I got these guys that want to go play golf. What am I going to do? And, and he's like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, bro? What do you want to do? And I was like, sell, sell, sell. So I just took my losses. I lost like 20 grand. Hung up the phone, tried to play cool. He's <laughs> up there playing. <laughs> we played like 36 holes of golf that day. And, I, and then I came back and the market corrected itself by the end of my golf game. And I would have, I would have been up five grand. <laughs> and, but that was the day that I quit trading options. Like, man, I can't. So I could go back. I did the same thing in real estate. I bought houses poorly. I bought, I mean, I just, I just, you put five grand in my account. I think I'm Donald Trump, you know? So I, I did lots of that stuff early in my twenties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I've just become way more conservative. And so, so I'm just. What caused that? Losing your tail so many times or it's like just. A, I think just maturity. Up, yeah. It's like just a healthy level of distrust in myself. There's a healthy level of trust. Most people. Most people I know need to be coached to trust themselves more. more. I need, I needed to be coached to see my weaknesses and see my um, my shortcomings. And so so now it's you know I've, I've got retirement accounts maxing those out. Um, a lot more traditional, a lot more. Safe. Yeah, stocks. Yeah, just, see, I'm a little bit more the other way. Like I started out just saving everything, like freaking put it in my mattress. Yeah, the pendulum swings. Yeah, yeah, and I'm more risk. I'm a lot. I take a lot more risks now. Yeah, yeah. But I good also, for you. but I also feel like because I have a little bit more money. Yep. That I think okay. I look at I look at things like this. And I told a friend of mine this yesterday. He was asking about some um, marijuana stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like, hey, for me, I'm just not going to roll there. Right. Like for you, bro. Like, like I yeah. think the model's good. And I said. If I didn't have a problem with it, if I didn't have a problem with it, I would take ten dollars or $15,000 and put in there and just think, hey, if I lost this, it's fine. Right. I always filter this through. Hey, if I put this money down and if I lose every bit of it, yep. is it going to take food off my family's plate, Right. keep me from paying the light bill, or keep me from paying for my employees? Yep. And if it doesn't, it's worth looking deeper into. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I filter things now. So anything, so you're, so you're super conservative as far as just like, right you now, dollar cost average, every stock market. 
When I said dollar, no, 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 no. You know no, what dollar no. cost averaging is? No. That's, okay. I'm just more like a little chunk of money, I buy some stuff I like, get a little chunk of money, buy some stuff I like, you know. But you're doing tons in, in, in retirement stuff. Yeah, I'm just maxing out every possible. So, so, so the, the the decision I made is because early on in life, I was like, I'm on, I'm playing the rabbit game, and I didn't play the 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 turtle, the tortoise game. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm going to max the tortoise game, and and we're in a position we can do this. I can max the tortoise game and still play a little bit of the rabbit, a little game. bit of the rabbit game. Mm, um, but I'm also, I mean, I just with my new business venture, that's a massive risk and a big old chunk of money, big chunk of money that that. We were able to do. You could have allocated that somewhere else. Hundred percent. So, so that's kind of my big. I'm putting a lot of weight into that move right now. Okay, I'm going to transition. Okay, really quickly. Um, so I think the world of your dad. Right. Okay. So, your dad was a doctor. Yep. What kind of doctor? ER doctor. ER doctor. Yeah. So I've got a friend of mine, Stephen Higgins, who is my age, and he's a doctor, and he talks about the glory days of being a doctor. And he, I think he's referring to like your dad's age, that probably your dad's 60, how old's your dad? 60, 60 67, 67, so late 60s. Uh, he talks about how the early days of being a doctor, those guys just made money hand over fist. And what they make now is nothing compared to what they used to make. So he says back in the day, insurance right. is paid a lot more. Right. And so a regular doctor, let's just use a scale, would make 600 a year. Now that same guy's making 400, still a lot of right. money, still a lot of money. So do you, did you and your dad ever talk about his investing? Like what did he invest no. in growing up? We y'all, never, y'all never talked about money. We never talked money. My, Why? I don't know. I, I'm not saying that Where's as a criticism. We need to have Everett on here. <laughs> I think so. So what my dad, uh, he, he gave me probably things that most kids don't ever get from their dad. He taught me how to be a husband. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to love a woman. He taught me how to serve my family. He taught me how to work hard. Yeah. But I don't think he wasn't a savvy investor. That's not he. Would, if he's sitting right here, he'd go like, "That's not me, man." I'm just like he's he's super conservative. Was that, were they good? With works money? hard. Yeah, I think they're, they 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 live debt free. But I don't think they were super sa- savvy. You know, trying to make big gains in their investment world. I think he just worked hard, made a good living, stocked money away. That's just kind of how that he's there. And that's that's how he's wired. You know. And somehow I came out of the womb like thinking I'm going to be a billionaire by the time I'm 30. <laughs> like, you know, just put that it all on different. red, baby. What about, what, so what about your siblings? What, how are they financially? Like, do they, are they risk averse? Are they, what, I mean, what are they? I don't know. Do y'all not talk about this stuff? <laughs> no. So maybe that's it. Maybe Simmons is, we don't talk about money within our family. That's probably actually a true statement. We need to talk to I your literally, dad. Now my, my, now, my sister's a wife. Sure. And her husband's very entrepreneurial. Billy. Yeah, Billy. Billy's very yeah. entrepreneurial. So I think that that, but I would I would imagine Shannon's pretty conservative. She's a play it safe. Just thinking about her personality, but I don't know that. And do you talk to your girls about money? Yes. So that is something I've I've corrected. I say corrected. I wish my family had talked about money more. My wife and I talk about this all the time. I wish I had understood. So what is not that you have to live up to a certain lifestyle. No. But what did the lifestyle I grew up with, what did that even cost? What, you know what I mean? So, so I was- a, That's a I was, great you know, question. I was a doctor's son. I, I went to a private school to Briarwood. So I grew up around families that had, at least could afford to send their kids to private school. But I had no grid or plan that, hey, this lifestyle that I've seen or this other lifestyle that I'm looking at costs X amount of money for, per year. And then what's a strategic plan if that's the way I want to live, 
what's the strategic plan to get me to X amount of dollars per year? You do know you what I mean? talk about actual dollars? Do like your kids know how much money you make? Do they have my much- kids do not know how much money I make. Do, uh, do yours? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Your kids know how much money you make. Yeah. They like that's they, fascinating. They ask questions and like I am freaking open book. Dude, that's awesome. My kid, John, John will go, she'll work with me and she'll go, how much did we make tonight? And I'll go. But they know like your tax return, Uncle Sam, I make, your dad makes X. Because that's what everybody talks about. In a a good, yeah. Like if you were to ask them, they'd say, they'd give it. They'd give range, they'd know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm, I've, I pay, I'm an LLC S Corp, so I'm a salary. Right. So I get the same thing every month. Right. Which is, which is good because whether we have a great month, quarter, whatever, or a poor month, we make the same. That's good. We make the same. And then do you distribute year in profit to yourself? No. 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 What do you, you put it all so, back in the business? So I'm really, really, I don't want to talk about this. We're, we're going to get you talking. So, okay. So there's a book by Mal- Mike Malkowitz okay. called Profit First. Okay. He is extremely different, but he's really, really good at what he does. And so I read this book back in the early days of starting Meal Fit when I wasn't making nothing. Right. And he even talks about, he says, so what he says is he says, you need to take your, the money that you make, the gross money that you make, and you need to take in different percentages and, and put that money in different buckets. Right. When he says buckets, he means accounts. Right. I remember I've seen you doing something on a whiteboard on social media yeah. talking about the buckets. Okay. So what, so what I do, I'll give you, I'll tell you what I do right now. So what I do right now is I take a percentage, a gross percentage. I take 7% of the gross that we bring in, okay. the total amount, and I put that in an in, in income tax account. Just throw so it it's away. There. It's, it's there. Ready. Throw it away. There's no surprise tax Zero bill. surprise. I hate surprises. Yep. Yep. Grant Cardone talks about um, you know work, working to broke and running your account down because it motivates you to work more. Yep. Okay. So I have that. And then I have what they call a profit account. Yep. And so I, my profit account start off at 1%. So I took 1% of gross sales and put it in this account. Yep. And I've got a literal bank account that says it is labeled, nicknamed profit. Yep. So I take, I took 1%. Now that number is up to 6%. So I take 6% every week and I transfer that number into the profit account. Yep. And then once it gets to a certain amount, I take that amount and put it into a, a managed account. Okay. And then I have another percent, another account that is totally dedicated to real estate. Okay. And I, because I, that's something I'm passionate yeah. about, something yeah. I enjoy. And so I have these different buck, and I always have a sales tax account and that's not a percentage base. It's based off the actual number. Right. And so I trans, I do these transfers every week every week and those counts built because when I have a $4,000 sales tax bill, you're it's money sitting right it's there, right over there. And I don't want to screw right. with it. Accountants don't love this, but it's a way for me to manage money. I love it. And it I helps think it's great. me so much. And so as far as that's concerned, I can take those different accounts and do different things with them. Um, and the, and I'm like, the little foxes, like I'm the small, like little things compounded over time, yep. compounded over time, compounded over time. The profit money will go to, if I needed to buy a new truck, if I need yep. to go buy a new truck, I've got it. Yeah. If I had something, great example, I just bought two new vending machines. Yep. It was like eight, between eight and $10,000. It's there. You had the money. I had the money. So when you have big expenditures like that, those little things, those, those 
little bit nuances that you just get bored of doing that helps. Yeah. So it's been, it's helped us so much and what we're good doing. for you. And so, it's so let me ask different. you this though. So you, so you, you, you pay, you, you cover your overhead, you cover your own salary, you, 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 you fill your boxes. What about when you just have it, you kill it one month. Mm-hmm. What happens to the extra? Um, I will take that and pull that aside into the, if I like, for example, we have a, an event, we make 50 or $60,000. Right. We have those. Um, the pro, the margins are big because of the numbers. Yep. Okay. I'll take that money and put that into the profit account. Got it. So, so you still keep it there. I'm still keeping it there. Yeah. So just, I get it. I get all my bills paid, all that good stuff. And then I put it over there so that it's not a rainy day fund, but I have. It's more like a strategic business growth fund. Very, like very is, is I, if I want to make moves within my business or if I get a surprise, I'm covered. Randy Kiefer taught me a long time ago. Randy Kiefer's a guy in Tennessee who I love and respect deeply. He taught me two very, very important things. He taught me how to barbecue. So he taught, he did, he's, he's brilliant. He taught me how to do barbecue. And I'm really, really good at that part of food. Yeah. And it was from him. Yeah. Number one. And number two, he, he said, always keep a handful of $100 bills in your wallet. Yeah. So I've probably got $600 in my wallet yeah. right now. And I'm like, dude, why are you doing that? Yeah. Because a lot of our friends don't carry any cash. I always have cash. I always. typically have three, three or 400 bucks in my wallet. I think always. I got 200 right yeah. now. A couple so he says, just- I can't tell you, he got, looks at me, he goes, I can't tell you how many times my daughter was getting ready to go off to college and she's, he says, you got gas in your car? He goes, ah, she got, I got a quarter of a tank. He'll give her a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. Or he says, he goes, you know how many times I've been in the middle of nowhere and found a great deal on something. And I said, I'll give you, I'll give you $200 for it right now. Yeah. And it was a steal. Yeah. But they saw the cash yeah. on the barrel head and they took it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. The hundreds in my pocket have gotten me out of a jam. I love it. I keep them in there. Yeah. And if I get down too low, I go to the bank and get some Mine typically go to my kids. Most Five kids. (laughs) It's like, hey, dad, I get the school thing. Hey, dad, it's the book fair. The book fair? The book fair? I guess what we don't buy the book fair? Books. Books. They come up with toys. I'm like, I gave you 20 bucks, (laughs) nine-year-old. You gave them with, like, didn't even buy books. Oh, my gosh. scammed. Um, Okay. So how do you and Lacey stay connected with five kids? Oh, I love this question. And a traveling job. I love, so traveling job is new. I know. Um, so this is a new fact, this new thing we're navigating. So historically, you know, we carve out time. So Lacey's love language is quality time. Mm. It's really quality and quantity time. It's just time. Right. So with five kids, all in sports and activities, it's intense. Um, so what we used to do when I had a nine to five is not every day, but a lot of days I would come home. She, she said, baby, I just want you first. Everybody wants you. I want you first. And so I would come home and, you know, maybe fix us a cocktail, whatever. Actually, usually fix us a cocktail. Right, I'll be yeah. honest. And, and, and we go out on the, on the, we have this little deck on the back mm-hmm. of the house and we just sit and I just sit with her and we talk about whatever we're going to talk about, but just, we're going to get FaceTime. How long? 45 minutes. Oh, you know? wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 10 minutes. No, no, no. 45 minutes. And the kids keep coming outside and they know I'll just bark up. Back, back inside. No. Really? You know, like just tell me, send them back inside. And it's, it's just me and Lacey time. No, not every day. And we're not in that rhythm now because I'm traveling, but that is the summertime when, when it's pleasant outside, we just try to just take that time. And um, so that was a rhythm for a while. That's not the rhythm we're in now, but that was something that that's awesome. That met that need 
in that season. And how many she days a week? Would, that how need. many days a week would you do that? Probably three or four days. That's pretty coming out for my work week, because I mean, you, you get throwing the occasional baseball game at four or five thirty. Something's something's going on that impedes it. Um, huh. So that was good. That's I, I like that. Okay, so last thing I have um, for you: what habits do you have now? And I think I know what the answer to this is going to be. What habits do you have now that you wish you had ten years ago? Oh, I love this question, and I want you to answer the same one. Okay. Wake up early. Yep. People. I mean, I could just preach. Give me 30 minutes. I'll talk about get up. Like 22-year-old young man, 25-year-old man, you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. 4.30 in the morning, and get two to three hours ahead of every other human human yeah. on the planet. And there's something about getting out of bed. It's dark. It's going to be dark for another hour and a half, two hours. And I've already worked out. Oh, yeah. I have prayed. I have read. I have made coffee. I mean, I am... I'm, I'm halfway through my day. So early mornings are life-changing, but it's hard because I was a night owl before I changed that really? habit. And But if you'll just start getting up early, it kind of forces the bedtime because you're passing out by nine o'clock anyway. I'm done at nine. Yeah, same. So we're usually in the bed by nine. And now Lacey is up at five every morning. She's getting up early she, too. She, 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 she figured it out. She's figured it out. And so and uh, so early mornings, big deal. Um, reading. Mm which sounds so cliche. Everybody says read. And I, for in my entire adult life, I've known successful people read all the presidents read, you know, whatever. But, but I just couldn't, I don't know if I wasn't ready for it. I just couldn't, I tried and tried, but I could never get into the rhythm. How much of it is the reading and the actual information and how much is it? How much of it is the actual time alone? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's probably 50, 50. I think it's, I think it's when you invest time in your own personal growth, you subconsciously, you build trust with yourself. Mm, yeah. So your I, spirit, I like so Thomas Cox is not this physical dude in front of me. Like you're, 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 you're a being that is beyond that body. And that right. being recognizes like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I value my own growth. I value this time with myself. Right. And there's a synergy that, that, that comes with that. That's hard to explain, but if you, I just, I would Preach it if you could invest the first hour and a half to two hours of every morning in yourself, which means you got to get up really early, early. when you got kids. Um, you, I can't even describe the dividends. It changed. I'm probably two years into that habit and it changed my life. Yeah. I think for me, time is the early stuff is, is huge because it's stuff that time. Uninterrupted time is extremely valuable. So when the first human is up, whether it be your wife or your kids, there is very little uninterrupted time left in your day. So I think that that helps. And what makes something valuable? Scarcity. Yeah, it is. uh, It's good. You see what I'm saying? So the only only thing, reason diamonds are valuable because they're scarce. Gold's valuable because it's scarce. Cryptocurrency, because it's scarce. Scarce. As a family man, talking about CEO parenting. Yeah. Time is the most scarce oh resource gosh. you have. Alone, alone, uninterrupted time. And I think that's why I have such a, a need and a desire to create more wealth generationally and for myself because, I mean, you're not going to get anything back. Yeah. So. I want to revisit this. Okay. You talk so openly to your kids about money. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you're so comfortable with that? And I want to know why I'm so uncomfortable. We're talking about my own personal... Um, because of people like you, 
because you just talked about how your parents never uh, talked about money. Yeah. And I want to be as open and transparent about it as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, I go over what a P my, my two, my two of my three kids know what a P and L is. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I asked going over with Tegan, Tegan's 11. Like I said something about the spread the mm-hmm. other day. I said something about, well, the spread on this was only like 20%. And I go, you know what spread is? He's like, yeah, the, the, the amount of money that you make after all your costs. Yeah. So my 11 year old knew what that was. So like margins spread, whatever term you want. I want him to better have these conversations. Yep. Entering these conversations with adults or people that know these things so that he didn't look like a moron. What do you think that's rooted in? Do you feel like, did you feel like a moron at some point in your life? I feel like a moron every day. Really? I, I, I feel like, like when I listen to some of these guys talk on a podcast or whatever, I go, what does that mean? Yeah. And so I go and I Google and I look it up and I'm like, okay. And my, the guy that does a very good job at this is Sam Parr on that podcast that we talked about. Yep. My first meeting. So Sam will go, Oh, what does that mean? I don't know what that word means. Yep. I love that. And like, I, yep. for Tegan and Jonna, Tegan's more interested in it than Jonna, but they have totally different personalities. Right. Um, I don't know. I just want them to know what things cost while we're doing it. They like, we're doing an addition on the back of our house. They know how much it costs. Yeah. See, that's fascinating. And that's so probably healthy. It's very faux, faux pas in some way. There's two things that are faux pas that p- parents don't want to talk to their kids about. Number one's money. Number two is sex. Number two is sex. Yeah. So I'll give you a great example. So we started talking about sex at eight. Yeah. Because we talked, Everett and Carol talked about it at 13 or 14 with me. And right. You. We're doing it at eight. Right. Now I'll say this. And I'm not pushing this because I don't make any money on this. There's a set of books that makes it so easy to talk to kids about. And your, your, your boys are like, I don't know where y'all visit that. They all know about it. Okay. The so, six-year-old knows what it is. So we're what sitting mean? there one day, and this is great. So me and Tegan had just went through this portion and talked about sex. I said, Jackie. Jackie's sitting across my desk, and Tegan walks up. I said, Jackie, guess what me and Tegan talked about the other day? She goes, what? I go, Sex. <laughs> And she goes, that's so awesome. T, tell me about it. Yeah. And T start, Tegan starts going through sex. like The mechanics of it. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like you have to make it to where. Oh, I totally agree. Not, it's not taboo. Not taboo. So I, I, I think the same thing with money. Yeah. So sex and money are the two reasons, the main reasons, and slash communication that people get divorced. Yeah. So you've got to be able to talk about those topics. But I also want it to be educational so that my kids know what those things are. Yep. Um, Tegan's always wanting to do something with business. He's always wanting to talk. If I buy this and I sell this, I can make this. Yep. Jonna's not as much there, but she, she understands some of it. Yeah. So we, I'd spend a lot of time doing that, but I don't, I don't sit down and make a big drawn out deal. Right. right. You it's, just talk about it openly. It's conversations in the car. Right. It's Whereas like, what we do is if we were talking about the, the renovation, like you're talking about renovating. We literally just met with an architect yeah. to kind of talk about maybe doing something to our house, but we would never invite the kids into the conversation of what that would cost. And I don't know why, other than like, there's this, you know, I bet there's a fear that like, if we talk about this money, 
they're going to start asking for things. You know what I mean? It's like they see it as, oh, well, mom and dad, got, they've got that, so I should get this. And so we're mm. like maybe just lazy because we don't want to have to deal with the conflict of telling them no or them not understanding how money's allocated. So we just don't talk about But I would talk numbers. about how money's allocated. Yeah. Like have the conversation of like, because you don't want them to, okay, so you don't want them, forgive me, you don't yeah. want them to be like you and get four, three or $4,000 in their bank account and go, I'm rich. Uh, exactly. That's exactly right. So I think that you need to, I think it's good to talk about it in, in a, in a contextual way. Now we're not bringing our kids in the conversation when we're talking about like what to do with the house, but like, right. You know, they're going to know that, that, that the, the addition to the back of our house costs $80,000. Right. Right. And like, and then they're going to know that we're making decisions now Yep. Because of this expense. We're mommy right. and daddy are spending a lot of money on this. Right. I so do in, love that. So like in we're term, putting money yes. here. So in turn, we're not gonna go do this yep. right now because mommy and daddy are spending a lot of money on these things. No, that's good. I do like that. And we do talk about money openly and we talk about because because I think somehow I I emerged as an adult with a scarcity mindset of money. Mm. So and, and as, a, as a doctor's kid. Yeah. So, so, but it was this, this, there's a lot of fear around money. A lot of, um, great book right now. The illusion of money, Kyle Cease, fantastic book. I'm reading almost done with it. And he's, he's putting language to what is going on inside of me with how I, I, I see money, but I had a, a, just a bad scarcity mentality. So it's, it's, that doesn't matter how much you have, it's not enough. There's just fear. And so when you think that money is, so, so I pictured money as a pie. So there's mm. a pie. And so if Thomas goes, and it's finite, mm -hmm. there's only a certain amount of money in the world. So if Thomas goes and gets a piece of that pie, I get upset because you just took some of what I could have had. So, and the way I recognized this to myself was just a few years ago. It wasn't, wasn't that long ago. I realized, I kind of looked in the mirror and friends that were more successful than me, friends that were succeeding in what they were doing, that from my perception, perspective seemed to be ahead of where, whatever right. I was, I had the hardest time celebrating them. I couldn't do it, bro. It, I almost resented it, but I would never tell anybody this, but I'm telling you this, yeah. but like, like just in my heart. And I, then I, I, but I finally looked at that and I said, man, that's ugly. Like, what is Like, why can I not you do didn't that? Think, you didn't think that there was enough out there for everybody. Because, because the way I perceived it is there's only, there's a limited amount and here's the deal. So I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit preachy, but it's true. And there are people all over the world that have tapped into this, that don't know Jesus. But my father owns the cattle on a thousand oh, hills. And when Jesus died on the cross, uh -huh. he took the enmity that was between God and man, right. destroyed it in his body. Okay. And he opened wide his full inheritance to his sons and daughters. Right. I got chill bump saying it. Yeah. Which is me. Sure. So literally the, the cattle on a thousand hills, the old way of saying Everything endless of, resources, yes. you know, more than you can imagine, have already been given to me. Yeah. And this is not health and wealth, prosperity gospel. No, no. This is just literally, there is no limit right. to what's out there. So like there's no, and, and just get more practical. You could go make a hundred billion dollars there's another hundred billion dollars for me to make. It's out there. It doesn't make my hundred billion harder to make. No. So, but but the problem is when you see it as a, as limited, then every time your kid asks you for money, 
there's anxiety, no matter how much money you have, because as soon as I give it to my kid, it's gone. It's gone. And I, I got to figure out how to make, make up that deficit. Mm. And so every decision you make with anxiety and fear and you hoard it yeah. to make yourself feel, yourself feel safe or you spend it all because you're like, screw it. It's never, I'm never going to be able to get there anyway. I live once. So either yeah. way, you can have habits that go to one extreme or the other, but the perspective is what's wrong. But the, Tell me what you believe about this. Think okay. about this. Have you, and if you've heard this, so what do you think? I heard it said this. They took all the money in the world and they distributed it amongst all the people. Evenly. Evenly. Within 10 years, it would all go back to the same spots. I totally agree with that statement. Because the people that know how to create and do yep. will, are going to figure it out. Yep. And the people that are spending it like a mm-hmm. crazy are going to still spend it like it, like crazy. So I think there's two key components and this is coming from a complete financial expert. So this is authoritative. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is from the guy that has screwed it up most of my adult life, but I deeply believe this habits Mm. and belief. And I think they're equally important. Belief. What belief in yourself or belief in like Jesus? No, no, no. no. It, It doesn't matter. And I don't mean it doesn't matter. Not not, circular. Yeah. 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 Like, but your habits, you know, so, so growing in, in your ability and your understanding of how to create wealth, like having good habits surrounding money, um, having good habits, it's just like with your health, you know what I mean? So, or fitness. um, So habits, the belief, um, there is a, a, there's a book called The Magic of Believing. Okay. Amazing. It was written in the 30s um, by a guy talking about Thomas Edison and mm-hmm. the Vanderbilts. And I mean, just fascinating. Um, but just genuinely believing that you're going to succeed. Like believing that you, that the resources are going to come. Right. I'm going to take this step and I'm going to do all the right things to launch this business. But, that, but there has to be this X factor of, I know that I know that I know. Know that I'm going to do it. Yes. That it's going to be okay. Right. You know? And, and so I think those are the two, but I, but I think those, those people um, that have that X factor that just, it seems like wealth just flows to them. I, I agree with the belief thing. Like I agree with the belief thing, but I also agree with this, this, the, the positive self-talk thing. Yeah. Like Jackie's went over with a team a bunch, like this guy named Kevin Elko, who's worked with Alabama. He's worked with a bunch of, I mean, this guy's like a 10 or 12 Super Bowl rings. I mean, he's, but he talks about self-talk, but I truly believe that like the way we speak and the things that we do, they have a dramatic effect on, because if you say things long enough and loud enough, not loud, like volume long enough, you will eventually believe what those things are. Yeah. Positive or negative. That's why we have to watch what we say, but no, I totally agree. I think that having a belief and that's part of the thing is it's part of where you and I have an advantage is we were raised by good parents that instilled confidence in us yep. in some way, shape, form or fashion. So I sit there and I believe that I can do just about anything. Yep. And so I think that helps with not just money, but I think it helps with all of the different things. Yeah. As well. So awesome. All right. So we're done. Um, this has been good. I think we could probably do this for two more hours, Agreed. Um, but this is great. So um, anything else? I'm good. I'm going to come better prepared next time. All right. Sweet. Thanks. (laughs) 